0: Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 12. The Bible says, I beheld, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains, And the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And notice this question here. And who shall be able to stand? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would bless the reading of thy word. I want to thank you for the good songs, the testimonies tonight. I pray for these next few moments you will give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray that you'll touch our throat physically and I pray that you'll touch our mind spiritually tonight. And Lord, help us to say only the things that you would have us to say. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit of God would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Help us to open our hearts and receive with meekness the engrafted word and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I wanna draw your attention to the last phrase which is a question that I think ought to be asked every time that we read this text. The Bible says, who shall be able to stand? What you have in this text tonight concerning this sixth seal is that you have a world that is literally turned upside down. And I want to preach a few minutes tonight on that subject, on a world turned upside down. When we come to this sixth seal tonight, that's exactly what takes place here. And I would stop and say this. A few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart to just continue to keep preaching through Revelation. I don't know what all God is doing. I know that we're nearing the end. I know that Jesus is soon coming. I know that there are people sitting in our pews here and other places as well that need to be saved. And so I just wanna keep on preaching through this. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna preach to the end of this book or not. I just know I'm gonna keep on plowing until God says stop and go somewhere else, amen? Maybe that's the last chapter of Revelation. I don't know. But I know that God knows what he is doing, amen? But when you come to this sixth seal, uh, this sixth seal reveals a lot of things here in this text uh, that we'll just mention and be through here in a few moments tonight, but what we have here is a lot of disturbances that is taking place that this seal will affect the entire world. It will uh, be a worldwide effect from one end of the globe unto the other end of the globe. When you think about the first five seals that have already taken place, uh, uh, you would think that the world would have received so much uh, catastrophic events that there wouldn't be anything left, but God in his own measure, and his own plan, he knows how much this world can take, just like he knows how much you and I can take. Amen? He knows when and how to send what. And may I say tonight the the kings and the captains of this world and even the demons and the devil of hell himself is nothing more than puppets on a string in the hand of an almighty God. I'm not a Calvinist tonight, but I do believe this, that God is working in the affairs of men, that he is sovereign over all things and that nothing can happen except he would allow it to happen. Amen? And so when we come to this text tonight, what we see here is a lot of disturbances in this text that ends with the question, who shall be able to stand? And I think that question tonight is answered by the things that we see within this text tonight concerning a world that is turned upside down. When you think about these events tonight, I want you to notice first of all that there'll be a seismic disturbance, a seismic disturbance. The Bible said in verse number 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake. And then the Bible says in verse number 14, and the heavens departed as a scroll which is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Now when you think about this seismic event that's about to take place or disturbance, uh, it literally shifts this world from one direction to another. This world is rocking and reeling during this sixth seal on every axle that it, has. The world which seems so solid and it seems so sound in this day and time, if you walk out there, the ground that you're standing upon, that seems so solid and buildings and structures that seems like they could never be removed, that even great hurricanes and tornadoes would have difficulty taking some apart. I want to tell you, friend, with one seismic event, God is going to turn this world upside down. He's going to disturb every mountain. He's going to disturb of every island. free under. I'm telling you to show this world that God is in control of all things. Now when you consider earthquakes in the Bible, there's several earthquakes throughout the word of God and I'll not elaborate on all of them tonight but I will tell you this in Exodus 19 and verse number 18 on Mount Sinai, whenever the Lord descended in that ball of fire that day, the Bible says that Sinai, that great mountain began to shake and it began to tremble and it brought great fear to the children of Israel that day when Elijah was in that cave in 1 Kings uh, you know that the Lord was to pass by in that still small voice uh, but he sent several other things uh, that he was not in and one of them was a great earthquake that shook this world Uh, and then I think about that great earthquake of all earthquakes uh, when Christ was at Calvary and when he hung there between heaven and hell and my friend the Bible said in Matthew 26 and verse number 50 and 51, it said the rocks rent and the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Do you know that scientists tell us uh, that every rock in the universe, even on the the moon, uh, every rock in the universe has a crack in it, amen? Well, that's what Matthew 27 and verse 51 said. It said the rocks rent, amen? I'm telling you, when Jesus died at Calvary and said it is finished and gave up the ghost, uh, every rock in the universe split and said he is Lord. Amen. I'm here to tell you as great as that earthquake was uh, it's nothing to compare to the seismic event that's going to take place uh, during the tribulation. Uh, God's going to shake every mountain. Uh, He's going to remove every island out of its place uh, and this whole world uh, will not have a solid place uh, to stand upon in those last days. You know if I was lost tonight I'd get saved for that one reason. I would not want to be left behind. I remember one night laying in the bed there at the parsonage about two or three o'clock in the morning, maybe it's four o'clock in the morning and my wife woke me up out of a dead sleep. She said, listen, do you hear that? And I could hear something but I couldn't tell what it was. And she said, do you hear that? I could hear it. It was far, far away. Uh, But whatever it was, uh, we sat there for probably, uh, for about maybe seemed like 10 minutes, but it was really only about 15 seconds. uh, And we heard that rumble and that rumble was uh, coming and it was getting closer. And by the time, in just a matter of about four seconds, uh, we were both up out of the bed uh, and running to to the bedroom, got those uh, uh, little babies out of the bed. We, We thought maybe, you know, it was a tornado coming. We didn't know why it was uh, and we started down through that hallway and I'm telling you every part of that house uh, began to shake uh, and I'll tell you what it was friend, uh, it was an earthquake uh, it was just about uh, a trembler that had come down through that vein, uh, I want to tell you it shook the very foundation uh, of that two story brick home uh, uh, that the church had, uh, I mean everything around us was shaking, uh, I want to tell you that is not even a thimble, it is not even a drop in the bucket of what God is going to do during this seismic event, I want to tell you, he's gonna shake all the way down to the very bowels of hell itself. This world is gonna rumble from one end of it all the way to the other, amen. I'm talking about a seismic disturbance in this seal, and then notice there's a solar disturbance here. As he said that the sun became as black as sackcloth of hair. When you think about sackcloth in the Bible, it's always referred to that of repentance. Whenever they in sin, when they were sitting sackcloth in sackcloth and ashes, and they would repent, it spoke of grief and darkness. And I want to tell you, the Bible said the sun is going to be as black as sackcloth. Well, you think about through. The tribulation period. How that even in the fourth trumpet, the sun is going a third of the sun is going to be smitten, and then in one of those vials, God is going to use the sun. My friend, to send scorching heat like never before. God will use this solar disturbance throughout the tribulation period. But in this one particular event, my friend, it's going to be a solar disturbance that is going to be a total eclipse that's going to black out. Even the sun is going to refuse to shine, amen? What a day that's gonna be. When you cannot see the sun. I think about people who live in Alaska, they say that it's one of the highest suicide rates in all of the world because of the six months of darkness. When you think about, have you ever been in total darkness where you could not even see your hand in front of your face? God is going to send a, a solar disturbance that will turn the lights out uh, in this whole world, that will show this world uh, who's really in charge of the sun. I'll tell you, my friend, there's no such thing as mother nature. Somebody say amen. I wanna tell you, there's no mother nature. That's the terminology of the world. That's the terminology of a lost, peop- a lost person or lost people that do not believe in a creator, in a God, and uh, we do not worship. Mother Nature because she does not exist, amen? I'm gonna tell you, friend, the Bible said in Genesis one and verse number one that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It was God that hung the sun there and told it when to shine and tells it when not to shine. And in the tribulation period, there's gonna be a solar disturbance. He's gonna turn the lights out on this world once again. I think about not only this solar disturbance, there's gonna be a strange disturbance. Look at verse 12. The Bible said the moon will become as blood. You know, John Hagee wrote a book, and I'm not endorsing him, by the way. Right. He wrote a book called the, the Blood Moons. I bought that book because I wanted to read it. I knew, I thought, well, I'm not putting no faith in John Haggie, but I wanna know what, that, what that's about. So I reckon it was Curiosity. I read that book and when I come to the end of it, I came to this conclusion. I know why he wrote the book. I'll tell you why he wrote the book. He wrote the book to make money. Somebody say amen. Because when I got to the end of the book, here's what i come to conclusion with. It was just a bunch of theories and thoughts and it was scripture taken out of context and then he didn't have anything, any more to predict than what the Bible says. I felt like a fool for even buying the book, but I reckon it was just nosiness to want to know. And I did get it on sale, so I reckon that was a blessing, amen. And then I used it for some good kindling when it was all over with. But I wanna tell you, friend, listen, John Hackett wrote a book about the blood moon. And listen, I wouldn't endorse it. Wouldn't waste my my nickel or my time reading it if I was you. But I, I did. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have you do that. But I want to say this: what the Bible has to say about the blood of the moon turning to blood is literal. Amen. It's not symbolic, but it will take place in this text here. The blood, the moon is going to turn to blood. This is a strange disturbance, but it represents the blood that already has been shed and the blood that's going to. Be be shed. Friend, I want to tell you the tribulation period is going to be a very bloody time. Amen? People are going to die like they have never died before. If you're here tonight and you're lost and you say, well, I think if I if I miss the rapture, I'll remember all that good preaching and, and I'll get on my knees and I'll get right with God. Not so, friend. If you've heard the gospel, the Bible says that strong delusions are going to be sent. You're going to believe a lie and be damned. Now, why would somebody believe a lie when they've already heard the truth but rejected it. I'm gonna tell you why. Desperation. When people get desperate, they start looking for anything to put their faith in. And friend, if you don't have the truth, you'll believe anything that'll offer you hope. If you don't believe that, how in the world do you think a bunch of people went to an island and drank Kool-Aid in the 70s, somebody say "Man," or 60s, whatever it was? You know why? They put they were desperate and they put their hope uh, in something other than the word of God. We look at people sometimes and we say, how could they believe such a foolish doctrine like the Mormons and, and, and like the Muslims and, and like the, the Catholics and, and all these different uh, different denom- or, uh, not a dom- denominations, but occults, how in the world could they believe that? Because when you reject the truth, uh, there's a longing in your heart to find something to put faith in. God gave every man a measure of faith and regardless of what an atheist may say, Every man believes in something or someone, amen? I wanna tell you, friend, in this day and time, the moon is gonna be turned to blood. It's gonna be a strange disturbance, but it'll represent the blood that has been shed, the blood that will be shed. Even in the nighttime, you'll be able to look up and you'll see the judgment of God upon this world as the moon will have that strange disturbance, as it will be turned to and and will look as blood. I wanna say to you tonight, if you're here and you're lost. I know it's a Sunday evening, but I would not gamble with eternity. I would not put it off another day. I wouldn't put it off another service. I wouldn't care what anybody thought about it next to me. You say, well, preacher, I'm a member of this church. Doesn't make no difference. I'd rather you be a member of heaven tonight as to be a member of this church and die and go to hell, amen? I'm talking about a strange disturbance in the last days, amen? Not only a strange disturbance, but I want you to know notice in verse number 13 that there will be a stellar disturbance. Amen. As the word of God says, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely things uh, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Think about this stellar disturbance tonight. Listen, God uh, is going to shower down those meteorites. Uh, you know, I was thinking, Brother Lanny, God doesn't need a, a scud missile. He doesn't need a nuclear warhead. He doesn't need an arm he doesn't need an arsenal. We know that he can speak uh, and he will speak and the blood will flow to the horse's bridle. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God's got all kinds of arsenals twinkling up in the heavens, uh, and at any moment all he has to do is call one of their names, uh, and they will plunge uh, uh, down into this world uh, and can take this world out. God's got enough stars uh, uh, to destroy this earth a uh, billions times, a billion times over. Amen. I'm talking about this stellar disturbance. What is taking place here? He's shifting the world. He's blackening out the sun. He's turning the moon to blood, and he's showering down the stars from heaven. I'm talking about this seal. will' bring men to their breaking point in this text. There's going to be a stellar disturbance. How about it tonight? Are you saved? Are you prepared to meet God? You know, I said a couple Sundays ago and somebody else had already made this statement, but I'll be honest with you, I preached myself under conviction the last two weeks. I mean, I, the, I, God has dealt with my own heart. It's one thing when you study it and get it under conviction, and then you preach and you get under conviction again, amen? I mean, it's just convicting thoughts uh, uh, bringing us to, the, to, to the, the reality that men are going to face uh, things that they have never faced before. It ought to be enough tonight. To wake all of us out of our lukewarmness. Boy, when you think about these disturbances, if I was here tonight lost, I would not wait. But probably the greatest disturbance in all this text is found in verse number 15. And it's a social disturbance. Because what the Bible does in verse 15, it lists the men of this earth, kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. This text reveals not only their flight in verse number 16, but their fright. As they said to the mountains and the rocks, follow on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. What's happening in this text is that men that are upon this earth do not want to face the one that is sitting on the throne and I think that's the what this seal is driving these men to and it's the reality of this sixth seal is that it's gonna show the terror of God, the power of God, the the, the, the omnipotence of God, that God is in control of all things and that, that this world is held together by an unseen hand. And the only thing it would take for the moon or the stars or the sun or the earth to go in any direction would be for God to just speak the word. I'm here to tell you, friend, that's exactly what's going to happen. It will not matter how much money a man has. It will not matter if he's a king. It will not matter if he's a military genius. It will not matter how big and strong or tough he may think he is. It won't matter if he's behind bars or if he's free. There'll be no place to run. There'll be no place to hide. There'll be no safety in this world. And men will literally cry for the rocks to fall upon them so they will not have to face the one that is on that throne. But they will. Once they die, they'll face the very God that they fear. You know, people don't fear God like they used to. Not even in our churches today are people as fearful. As they used to be. And there was a time when people feared the church. They feared the man of God. Of course, I think that's partially the church and the preacher's fault. People lived with integrity, they, they lived holy lives, they lived clean, and, and the church had power, so people had something to fear. We're living in that day, aren't we? And the Bible says, Who shall be able to stand? I want to tell you tonight. The only ones that will be able to stand is the ones that are saved and taken out and the ones that have been sealed. And friend, can I tell you tonight, if you've heard the gospel and you're not a Jew, so tonight you're not the one that'll be sealed, but you are the one that can be saved tonight. Who shall be able to stand in that day? You say, preacher, how do you know you're gonna be able to stand? Because I won't be here, amen? Amen. The church will not be here in chapter number six. You say, where are you gonna be at? I'm gonna be in heaven. Thank God I'll be around the throne of God. I wanna tell you for us, that are saved, that throne is a throne of wrath and it is a throne of judgment to this world, but to us that are saved tonight, I really believe we'll be as near to that throne as what we can be, for that'll be the safest place in the entire universe. Uh, my friend, we'll see later that even 30 minutes of silence in heaven comes because of the great judgment that is to follow after that. The seriousness and the sobering of that judgment tonight is to all those, uh, my friend, that know the truth, but to them that know not the truth tonight, they will soon face that judgment unless we witness to them, unless we tell them tonight. I want to tell you this is a world that's turned upside down. You know what the world's doing tonight? They're having a party. They're dancing in the streets. They're living it up. Well, they're enjoying their sin, enjoying their lifestyle. I would say to you tonight, the world invites you to come and to join in. But on this day, they're not throwing a party, friend. They're hiding anywhere they can find. Anywhere they, I wanna ask you tonight, is there any sin, is there any pleasure of sin worth going to hell for tonight? Is there any pleasure of sin? Is there any ounce of pride worth going to hell for tonight? To be saved, you have to come to the realization that you are lost, that you cannot save yourself and that Christ will save you. Amen. I recently talked to an individual that I believe wanted to be saved and could have been saved. But that individual had a hard time believing that God would save them. I told them that that day and the altar, I said, well, I said, I would like for you to be saved. But I realized through that conversation it wasn't gonna be on that trip. They were gonna have to come to the place where they realized themselves that God would save them. See, friend, I believe in repentance, but it takes faith. It's faith and repentance. You gotta repent, but you gotta believe the gospel. You gotta believe you're a sinner. You gotta believe there is a Savior and that there's only one Savior and that Savior is Jesus. But you can believe all that and go to hell. Do you know that? You can believe all that, you can come to an altar and you can cry tears and still go to hell. That's not hard to be saved. But you've got to come to the place where you believe that God will save you. And I don't think it's church folks, or I don't think it's sinners out there that has a problem. I think it's church folks that deal with that more than anything. The truth is, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You know how I know I'm saved? I heard the gospel. I believe the gospel. And I believe God saved me. And the Bible says that it, The Bible said that he hath eternal life. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. Romans 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that, that verse tonight? Do you believe John three 16 will take you to heaven tonight? I'm telling you, friend, there's a lot of things won't get you to heaven, but I'll tell you one thing will get you to heaven. John three sixteen will get you to heaven tonight. If you'll believe it, you don't gotta do anything but trust it tonight. Take God at his word and he'll save you as we stand.